0: Chapter One of the Goddess, a Demon. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Recording by Thomas Peter. The Goddess, a Demon by Richard Marsh. Chapter One A Vision of the Night. I was sure. i had seen edwin lawrence juggle with the pack as i lay there wide awake in bed it all came back to me i wondered how i could have been such an unspeakable idiot we had dined together at the trocadero then we had gone on to the empire the big music hall was packed with people the heat was insufferable let's get out of this suggested lawrence almost as soon as we were in this crush in this atmosphere is not to be borne. i agreed with him we left come into my place for an hour he said we both lived in imperial mansions on the same floor his number was sixty-four mine was seventy-nine you went out of his door along the passage round the corner to the right the second door on the right was mine. I went in with him. What do you say to a little gamble? He asked. It will be better than nothing. I agreed. We had a little gamble. At first for trivial stakes. I am an abstemious man. I had already drunk more than I was accustomed to. At his invitation, I drank still more. We increased the stakes. I really do not know from whom the suggestion came. I know that I did not object. I had lost all my ready money. I kept on losing. He was dotting down on a piece of paper the extent of my indebtedness. Presently, when he announced the sum total, I was amazed to learn that it was very much more than I imagined. Actually, nearly a thousand pounds. On the instant, I was wide awake. Nine hundred and forty pounds, Lawrence. It can't be as much as that, my dear chap. Your other figures—look for yourself. He handed me the piece of paper. His manner of arranging the several amounts I found more than a little vague, but as I had been so foolish as not to have kept count of them myself, I was hardly in a position to dispute their accuracy. And added together, they certainly did come to the sum he stated. "'Still I felt persuaded that there was a mistake somewhere, "'though in what it consisted I was unable at the moment to perceive. "'Look here,' he said. "'Be a sportsman for once in your life. "'I'll give you a chance. "'I'll cut you double or quits.' "'I did not want to. "'I would have very much rather not. "'Gambling on such a scale was altogether out of my way. "'But he urged me.' And I yielded. I don't know why. I must have been very much more under the influence of drink than I imagined. We cut. I cut first. The Knave of Diamonds. As it was to be highest, not a bad card. I watched him as he cut, and saw that he dropped at least one card from the lot which he picked up, and that after he had had an opportunity of getting a shrewd guess at his value, THE CARD WHICH HE FACED WAS THE QUEEN OF DIAMONDS, EXCLAIMING, AS HE DID SO, THAT DOES YOU. BUT THAT WAS NOT THE CARD WHICH YOU ORIGINALLY CUT. YOU DROPPED ONE. I DROPPED ONE? (laughs) WHAT DO YOU MEAN? I HAVE NOT THE SLIGHTEST NOTION OF HAVING DONE ANYTHING OF THE KIND. AND ANYHOW, IT MUST HAVE BEEN BY THE sheerest ACCIDENT. WHAT ARE YOU LOOKING AT ME LIKE THAT FOR? "'Don't lose your temper because you happen to have lost.' The insinuation was as gratuitous as it was uncalled for. There was not the slightest danger of my losing my temper, but that I was right in what I had said I felt assured. For then the card might have been dropped by accident, and he might not have noticed what had happened. And anyhow, in face of the fact that I had been with the man on terms of intimacy, it had never before had cause to suspect him of anything in the least dishonourable having regard to his explicit denial it was a delicate position to persist in i got up from my chair conceding the point that makes eighteen hundred and eighty pounds you owe me my sympathy ferguson better luck next time i mentally resolved that i would not play cards again with edward lawrence at any rate when we two were alone i was in a curious state of mind when i returned to my own chambers the events of the evening bust in my head it was not the money merely though i am very far from being a millionaire and 2000 pounds less 120 is not a sum to be lightly thrown away the inquiry kept knocking at my brain was the man whom already I was beginning to regard as a friend such a very poor creature after all? was it possible that he had wilfully manipulated those figures to his own advantage and with intention dropped that card more closely? I followed the events of the evening, the less I liked the conclusion to which they led me when I went to bed, my thoughts went with me; I could not shake them off. I tossed and tumbled in pursuit of sleep. And when at last slumber did come, my sleeping experiences were even more disturbing than my waking ones had been. My repose is generally untroubled. I seldom am visited by dreams. But that night I had a most extraordinary dream, so extraordinary that I am haunted by it to this day, even in my waking hours. In appearance of reality, it was little less than supernatural. Indeed, I do not mind admitting that I have been, and still am, at a loss to determine whether I was not, at least in part, an actual sentient spectator, and not merely the subject of a vision of the night. Of course, I am unable to say how long I had been to sleep, but it seemed to me that I had only just closed my eyes, when something, I knew not what, caused me to sit up in bed and not only to sit up, but to get out of bed. I have no recollection of putting anything on in the shape of clothes. I am certain that I did not switch on the electric light. I had a clear consciousness of the prevailing darkness. And in the darkness I had an uncontrollable impulse to go to Lawrence. I left the room, to the best of my belief, clad only in my pyjamas. In the passage was a light. It is kept burning all night, and I distinctly remember noticing that it was burning as I passed along. Reaching Lawrence's door, I tapped at the panel. There was no answer. I hesitated before knocking again, and as I did so, immediately became aware of a strange noise which proceeded from within. A strange noise I never heard. I experience a difficulty in describing it. It was as if some wild beast was inside the room and was beside itself with fury, yelling, snarling, screeching, a horrid gasping noise. These sounds seemed to follow hard upon each other, and mingled with them were faint cries as of someone in extremity of both pain and terror. At that sound I ceased to hesitate. I turned the handle. I stepped inside. The sight I saw I am not likely to forget. Lawrence was struggling frantically with some strange creature whose character I was not able to distinguish. From this creature proceeded those hideous sounds. It was a mass of whirling movement. I had never seen a being so instinct with frenzied action. Every part seemed to be in motion at once, with its whole force it was assailing lawrence he seemed to be offering a feeble resistance as hauled this way and that he staggered to and fro but against such an attack his efforts were vain presently he fell headlong to the floor the creature stooping rained on to his motionless body a hail of blows making all the time that horrid gasping noise and then was still i'd been conscious all the time that there was something about the creature which was terribly human it appeared to be covered with a flowing robe of some shining silken stuff whose voluminous skirts whirled hither and thither as it writhed and twisted now that it became motionless there broke on my ears the sound of a woman's laughter i am not a nervous subject nor am I, I believe, a physical coward. But I am compelled to own that, instead of attempting to interfere, or offering the assistance which I had only too good reason to suppose was urgently needed. At the sound of the laughter, like some frightened cur, I turned and fled. And not the least strange part of the whole business was that, as it seemed, immediately after, I woke up. "'Woke to find that, however it might appear to the contrary, "'I certainly had been asleep, "'for I was sitting up in bed covered with sweat "'and trembling in every limb. "'I looked about me. "'The blind was up before the long French window. "'I remember drawing it up, "'as so it was my usual habit before I got into bed. "'The moon was shining through.' all at once a sound caught my anxious ear i started forward to learn from whence it came from the window i stared with all my eyes i was wide awake now of that there could be no sort of doubt whatever in the moonlight i could see that someone was standing on the other side of the pane a faint mysterious figure the latch was raised It was a little rusty i could hear it creaking the window was pushed open as by an unaccustomed hand with something of a jerk out of the moonbeams like some spectral visitant a woman stepped into the room end of chapter one